Ask for a favor. Uh-huh. Can I hear you say, come on? Kawaii-o. Come on. Kawaii-o. Come on. Kawaii-o. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Listen, I love Drew Brown from Pittsburgh. Come on. But his friend, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Not ramping down. We're just getting started. Nothing stops this train. Thank you. God bless. And come on. I'm appreciative of the effort uh, of our guys, um, but we came up short. And as always, it's about what we do or do not do. Um, I thought we weathered the initial storm last night as a group. We talked about the energy and the urgency that the Browns would bring given their circumstance, and it was something that we had to endure. I thought the guys did a nice job of enduring that and, and staying in the fight. Uh, we just didn't make enough plays. Uh, we turned the ball over, um, and then we didn't. Um, didn't get a stop after that turnover. They scored a touchdown after that turnover. And when you really look at it, you know, that's kind of the difference in the game. And that and that has to be. You know, we got to take care of the ball. And if we don't, we got to support our offensive unit. And so, um, you know, that's probably the significance in terms of the outcome of the game. But can't say enough about the efforts of the guys. I compliment the Browns on their play. Um, they made enough plays and we didn't. And so um, we, we take responsibility for that. Um, guys had an opportunity to play in expanded roles today, and, and so we'll take a look at that tape, and they'll provide a lot of information for us as we push into the playoffs, man. We don't care where the plays come from. Every man in the helmet or every man on our team is a viable component in terms of helping us win, so we gained some information about some guys today, and um, maybe it'll help us in our planning as we get forward, as we push forward the next week. Um, bumps and bruises associated with play. Um, nothing of any significance to speak of from a health standpoint. I'm sure I'll have an update on Tuesday. You know, came down to, to one play and combination of, you know, didn't didn't get it done um, there and on, on the two-point play as well as, you know, I thought DB kind of slingshot at him a little bit. And, uh, you know, but it's a two-point play hard for a, a referee to make a call there. But, uh, you know, we lost. That's all that matters. Yeah, I think um, you know, I have to get back and watch the tape, but I, you know, I felt I felt uh, like we made enough plays to put ourselves in the game and there at the end, being down, you know, a couple of scores. Um, you know, I think it really came down to those uh, four-point plays, those four-point swings, and lack of touchdowns in the first half on those drives. We only got field goals from you know, Matt. Matt did a great job putting those through the uprights for us, but uh, we got to come away with seven there instead of three. The Pittsburgh Steelers traveled to Cleveland Sands for various reasons. Ben Roethlisberger, Marquise Pouncey, T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, Terrell Edmonds, Chris Boswell, Eric Ebron, Joe Hayden, and more. With Mason Rudolph at quarterback and a host of backups at spots for most of the game and fell 24-22 to the Cleveland Browns, which coupled with wins by Buffalo and Baltimore in the same time slot, 
on Sunday afternoon sets up a rematch of week 17 in next week's wild card round between these two teams. We're here to break this one down. You already heard sound from Mike Tomlin and Mason Rudolph and one of the biggest points that Mike Tomlin made no injuries, no massive injuries coming out of this game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll give you a sneak peek of the game coming up this Sunday on Sunday Night Football, as well as maybe even a quick preview of Wild Card Weekend as a whole. Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Come On Network podcast and our latest Steelers reaction. Happy New Year. Thanks for tuning in. Also, thanks for the subscribes and for your ratings and reviews on our podcast pages. You can find us on various pod platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anchor and many more also you can find us on twitter and instagram at come on network c-o-m-o-n-n-e-t-w-o-r-k you can also find us on the web at come on.network there you can find blog stories like our Steelers post-game commentary features columns some hot takes the podcast episodes you can learn more about our team and more including shopping our merch collection that is at come on.network backslash store housekeeping taking care of kyle dawson donnie tedrick jack kilgrove joe smelter the usual cast with you guys let's dive in to this football game the 24 22 defeat at the hands of the cleveland browns and uh, what was a meaningless game for the steelers but still kind of a fun one to watch i think by the end of things yeah and you got to admit it people uh mason rudolph exceeded your expectations today most people probably didn't see Rudolph throwing for 200 yards, let alone 300. He finished with 315, two touchdowns. He did have one bad interception, uh, and I'll, I'll get to him a little bit more later. A, a valiant effort from a shell of the team today, as you said, Kyle, no Ben, no Watt, no Pouncey, no Hayward, no Hayden, no Boswell, uh, although Matthew Wright did – uh, exceed expectations as well. Most people didn't think that guy could kick the ball over 30 yards, and he knocked down a couple of 46-yard field goals uh, in this game. These guys played to win, and I know that should be a given, but anyone who watched what the Philadelphia Eagles did on Sunday Night Football would probably need reminded. Uh, Cleveland didn't scare me a ton today. Uh, Mason Rudolph went toe-to-toe with Baker Mayfield, and you could argue that he outplayed Baker Mayfield. Uh, and a competent run game would probably have been the difference for Pittsburgh. Uh, not that it was as bad as it has been, uh, but still not very good. Meanwhile, the the Browns got 100-plus out of Nick Chubb in this game on just uh, 14 carries. You can't be too upset after that loss. There was no going up after seeing what Buffalo was doing to Miami. A good effort and better health after the game is all you could ask for. Well, first off, before I talk about the Steelers, how do you like Doug Peterson tonight? I mean, my God, is that how you tank or is that how you tank? I don't know if you guys are as fascinated by the NFC East. I'm pretty sure I saw Ron Rivera thank, or saw him mouth the words thank you to Doug Peterson at the handshake at the end of the game, which if he did, that wouldn't surprise me because that was one of the more obvious tanks in the history of the National Football League. That is exactly how the NFC East should have finished. I could not be happier with how the NFC East finished the regular season. Put in some absolute scrub quarterback and let the football team take the division with absolutely uh, no big-time drama down the stretch of the game. Here's another thing, too. The Giants people and Giants fans, and I think Saquon Barkley tweeted this out, too, and Joe, I'll let you get back to it here, but – they're asking what what is happening right now and it's like okay new york six and ten 
two opportunities to beat the Washington football team, six and 10 to win a division. Get the hell out of here. You shouldn't need that help from, from Philadelphia tonight to win a division, but I guess that's, uh, it is what it is. And that's, I guess, part of uh, kind of a crappy argument, but at the same time, you're six and 10. I mean, what else, what else do you want to do? Yeah, I don't, I don't approve of Peterson's tactics, but at the same time, the Giants smell. So, whatever. Uh, Washington's going to lose to Tampa Bay by at least two scores. But uh, back to the topic at hand, I think this game went how we expected it to go. I don't think we saw it being maybe as close as it was. But nonetheless, we expected the Browns to win. The Browns won. We expected the Steelers to cover. They did indeed cover. And credit to the Steelers for turning in what was really a pretty damn gritty performance. There was no real motivating factor for the Steelers to kill themselves trying to win this football game, especially considering the whooping Josh Allen and company put on those fishies today in Orchard Park. Yet, the Steelers almost won today's game anyway, and I think there's something to be said for that. When Chubb had that long touchdown run early on, the Browns' first possession of the game, we have every reason to at least think in the back of our little minds that this could get ugly and Cleveland might just have its way with the Pittsburgh Steelers after all. But the Steelers levered that storm and outplayed the Brownies really for the rest of that first half, outscored them 9-3 to three after Chubb's touchdown run. Then in the second half when Mason Rudolph threw what was really his only major mistake, that ill-advised interception that set up the Browns to go ahead by 15, once again, it looked like the Brownies might pull away and the game might get out of hand. But, hey, as Donnie said, Rudolph exceeded our expectations. I think he kept fighting for the rest of that ball game, and Dan near sent it to overtime and maybe was a pass interference flag away from sending it to overtime on that two-point conversion pass to Mapletron that fell incomplete. I think Mason Rudolph played well overall, not enough not well enough to lead me to believe that he's going to be the man whenever seven decides to smell the roses. But nonetheless, the Steelers didn't need to win that game in the slightest, but they wanted to win that game, and their performance reflected that. Uh, Joe, I agree with you. I think this game went pretty much exactly how uh, at least the four of us thought it would, except for one big thing, especially on my end. I did not expect for Mason Rudolph to, to play as well as he did. Over 300 passing yards, two touchdowns, and relatively efficient, 22 of 39, and a quarterback rating of uh, close to 80. If you would have told me Mason Rudolph was going to throw for 300 yards against this Browns team that uh, was, A, motivated that the Steelers beat the breaks off of them the last time they played, and B, and more importantly, they needed a win to get in, I thought that they would have messed around with Mason Rudolph and made him look like a middle-of-the-road backup quarterback today, but that was not the case. Uh, Mason Rudolph still looked frightened under pressure. Uh, the pocket would collapse at times, and he would get you know antsy feet and deer in the headlights almost, but I feel like more playing time eventually could fix that for him, and, and he's not going to get that immediately, obviously, with Ben Roethlisberger returning for the first round of the playoffs, but I still think if you're a Steelers fan uh, with questions about Mason Rudolph and his future in the black and gold, uh, your some of your questions were 
um, or your worries, I should say, might have been put at ease today. I thought it was a good performance. The offense as well, I thought, took a nice leap forward. Rudolph, uh, especially with the play calling, Rudolph went under center a little bit more, not throwing it three seconds or less after the snap like Ben Roethlisberger's done a lot this year. And I thought the running game took, and while it was still not great, I thought it took a little bit of a bigger step forward, 85 yards 4.3 yards a clip. I think that's the first time that the Steelers in a football game ran it for more than four yards a carry since they played the Browns the last time. So that was encouraging to see. And defensively, I thought that they played really well despite, and it was obviously evident that Cam Hayward and TJ Watt weren't on the field, but with those two guys not playing and not even making the trip, I thought the defense played relatively well. 5.8 yards per play for the Browns. Baker was sacked four times, held under 200 passing yards. And I thought the secondary, uh, and you know, it was unfortunate that Donovan Peoples-Jones was hurt on the play, but I thought it was a clean play. The secondary, Sean Davis, and among others, were closing well on their pass catchers. And, and I think that's a big reason why Baker Mayfield was held under 200 yards. Overall, I thought you had a lot to be encouraged about. And once we get into our takeaways, I'll highlight a specific person defensively. But um, – I produced for Craig Riley today at 93.7 The Fan, and he said it multiple times coming in and out of breaks. The Steelers lost today, but it feels like a win. I felt like the Steelers, in a way, won the football game today, mainly because I didn't expect it to be that close, and I didn't expect Mason Rudolph to play as well as he did. I'm going to uh, disagree with part of your assessment of Mason Rudolph. And while I'm doing that, Al Villanueva is going to get bowled over onto his backside about 15 times uh, in the process of it. Uh, he's, a, he's a turnstile. But anyways, uh, I'm going to disagree with one part of that. And I'm going to say Mason Rudolph didn't look like deer in the headlights to me under pressure. And it didn't appear that he had a bunch of, of happy feet situations. I thought he was pretty poised in the pocket. But uh, that said, I'll, I'll draw the parallel uh, to what I've been, I said this in our postgame commentary, and I've, I think I've been saying this since Mason Rudolph is playing. The one big concern for me with Mason Rudolph at the quarterback position is that he holds on to the ball for too long and that his pocket presence isn't great in some pressure situations to where he is either going to dump it off harmlessly or he's going to try and force something. I think he did make some mistakes in that regard today, and I thought he held on to the ball a little bit too long a couple of different times in this football game, probably even more than that. But something I thought he did well, and it, he looked a lot different to me. I don't know if it was footwork-wise. I think uh, the broadcast, and I think Charles Davis is fantastic, uh, but I, he had pointed out a couple of times about Mason Rudolph's footwork and some of the mechanical things that he had worked on that they had talked with him about during the week in advance of the game. And I was seeing the same types of things. It looked like a different quarterback. Looked like he and we've never had uh, questions about Mason Rudolph's ability to throw the deep ball. Going back to his days at Oklahoma State with with James Washington, obviously as his top receiver and, and target there. But uh, we've never questioned the arm strength, and, and he showed the arm strength today. He was willing to push the ball down the field, and I think that is big for the Steelers going into next week's game. And we'll talk about this when we do a little quick preview at the end of this episode. But that, that's important because it makes Cleveland think about that. Whether it's Mason Rudolph or Ben Roethlisberger at the quarterback position for the Steelers, they have the ability and the will with the wherewithal to go deep in certain situations. And Chase Claypool can catch the deep ball. Deontay Johnson, we saw, had a big deep catch today. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster had a couple of great catches today. Uh, 
probably had a bad moment toward the end of the game when he had his touchdown grab uh, and danced and before the two-point play. I think Mike Tallman got a little bit pissy about that with him on the sideline. But uh, I thought it was a pretty damn good day for Mason Rudolph, all things considered. He made a horrible decision on the interception, and I think that's obviously a huge turning point in this game towards Cleveland's favor as it gave him a short field, and Baker Mayfield and the offense were able to march down quickly and put seven points up off that sudden change situation. But all in all, I thought Mason Rudolph was pretty good. I enjoyed uh, watching Josh Dobbs packages a couple of times just in terms of what the Steelers can do with that personnel group. I don't think Cleveland's going to worry about that going forward. I don't think they have any reason to. Uh, But the defense, too, and and this is going to be – uh, elaborated upon in my takeaway, but I thought the defense played a really good game today. So with that said, let's jump over to our, our biggest takeaways from this game. That wasn't the last time you'll see Mason Rudolph start a game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, objectively, uh, it's you can't deny that Mason Rudolph was pretty good on Sunday afternoon. One very bad pass on one very bad decision. Uh, it was probably a play where he was the, the most pressured all afternoon, but he made some really good throws downfield. I know you you touched on that, Kyle. He took some shots and connected on some. Uh, The pass to Deontay Johnson in the first half and then the touchdown pass to Chase Claypool come to mind. He also took some shots, and I know they went for incompletions, but he he took some shots uh, in the end zone uh, in a spot where we haven't seen the Steelers really do that all season. Uh, the Steelers' offense was 8 for 17 on third down. That's, that's not too bad. Uh, 2 for 2 on fourth down, that's a nice number to see. Coming into today, I was one of the few Mason Rudolph defenders probably left in the city of Pittsburgh. I thought he would and, and should get another shot as the Steelers' starting quarterback. And I'm not saying this guy will be the signal caller for the next decade, uh, but – for the next few seasons after Ben Roethlisberger is done, maybe he gets a chance. Uh, and after this game, I know I'm not the only one now on that side. My takeaway is simple. The Steelers are better than the Browns. If you asked me 24 hours ago which one of these teams had the edge, I would have said it was even or a push to use some sports gambling lingo. I know the Steelers mopped the floor with Cleveland back in October, but since then, by and large, the Browns have played their best football while the Steelers have played some of their worst. So, yeah, I thought the two teams were pretty even coming into the weekend. But after watching yesterday's game and watching the Steelers' B team, the Scrubs, be a player or two away from tossing some hopes and dreams into Lake Erie. And, oh, by the way, after watching the Steelers put Baker Mayfield on his ass four times and not needing T.J. Watt, or Cam Hayward to do so, it's clear to me who has the edge going into next Sunday's game, which means a lot more, at least for the Steelers, than this one did. And I'll say this. Next week, if Alex Highsmith plays the way he did yesterday with so many horses resting, if he can bring that same energy down by the river next Sunday with Watt and Hayward to help him out, Baker's in trouble. You you mean at the confluence of the three rivers, Joe? No. Whatever. Uh, I'll talk more. I'll talk more about this as as we all will in the next few days when uh, we preview round three between the Steel and the Elves. But I'll just say it should be clear to anybody who watched today's game who the better football team is, at least right now, and that is the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Yeah, Joe, my, I have two takeaways. My first one has to deal with what you said at the end. Uh, Alex Highsmith is going to be a very, very good compliment uh, in the pass rush to TJ Watt in the future for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nine tackles that led the team. Six solo also led the team. A sack and a tackle for loss. And that was all against Jedrick Wills, who was uh, the Browns' first-round talent and first-round choice as, uh, as a member uh, of this 2020 draft class. Um, this was all while being the primary pass rush threat, too. Obviously, T.J. Watt was sidelined today. He didn't make the trip, give him some rest at the end of the season. So this was the Browns, when they figured this out, game planning for the primary edge threat on the Steelers' defense to be Alex Highsmith. So he had all of the pressure and all of the attention of the Browns' pass-blocking schemes today and still threw out his best game as a professional in the National Football League. That is very encouraging. And if he gets hyped up and up about it and carries that energy into next week with arguably, not to some, not to us, the defensive player of the year of the National Football League and T.J. Watt coming back next week, when the focus shifting to him, that makes you really excited about Alex Highsmith next week, and it makes me excited, excited excuse me, about him as a future of the member of the Steelers and his role increasing. My second takeaway deals with what you had to say, Donnie. I think the jury's still out on number two, Mason Rudolph. Again, 315 passing yards today, and those deep balls, and we've talked about his deep ball ability and being able to throw it deep. Those were two of the prettiest deep balls, I think, of any quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. They were great throws. Uh, again, his Achilles heel, uh, his decision-making, Kyle, you alluded to it, and holding onto the ball uh, for a long period of time, and his uh, accuracy on passes goes way down when he deals with some pressure. But the escapability today, I, he, I thought he extended some plays nicely, was able to get outside of the pocket, something that he really isn't known for doing. And depending on how you feel about the Steelers' quarterback situation, there are a lot of people out there that think the Pittsburgh Steelers are automatically going to have a good quarterback after Ben Roethlisberger. And a lot of people, I think, are ignorant to the fact that there was a period of darkness at the quarterback position from Terry Bradshaw to where we are with Ben Roethlisberger. Um, and to me, I think that that, that maybe not quite as – um, drastic, but I think that that's inevitable when you go through a quarterback change. I mean, you see what the New England Patriots went through this year. They're probably going to draft a quarterback this year uh, in 2021. That's inevitable for the Steelers. And I think what, what Mason Rudolph did today proves to fans, and I think proved to Mike Tomlin that when Ben decides to call it quits, you can't at least, at the very least, let him compete to be the starting quarterback immediately after Big Ben's done. Well, well, he's going to compete with three guys next year if the Steelers fan base has their way, and one of the three of them will not be Josh Dobbs. It'll be Carson Wentz, Cam Newton, and insert other quarterback here. That though, Sean Watson was a name I saw a Sean lot on Watson Twitter today. Traded to the Steelers. Who Sam knows? Darnold. Sam Darnold. There's he would another look great one black that'll, and gold. that'll be in the mix because all of those guys would look great in the black and gold. Maybe even Jameis Winston, too, because he was on a one-year contract with the New Orleans Saints. Or Taysom Hill. Well, here's the thing about, about those two. They already look good in black and gold because <laughs> they play for the Saints. <laughs> so we know they look good in the black and gold, and they'll just come get a different gold when they have a Steelers uniform. By the way, Alejandro Villanueva just got bull rushed again, if you were wondering. 
Um, but yeah, I want I want to be the worst offensive lineman in the NFL, dude. He is, I don't know about the worst offensive lineman in the NFL, it's but he's got to be he's got to be among the worst starting left tackles in the NFL. Just just atrocious. He looks like a turnstile at times, and oh, he just got bull rushed again. Um, but but this defense is my takeaway for the Steelers. And I sent this text during the game, and I was thinking this pretty much the the entire game after I got uh, over my. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. I basically, after the first two set, two drives for the Cleveland Browns, said there's no way they're getting a sack today because they hadn't sniffed Baker Mayfield. They end up with four sacks. And I didn't see, and I haven't seen a snap count yet, but I didn't feel like I saw a ton of Tyson Alualu and Steve Tuitt out there for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I thought we saw a lot more, and I might be wrong. Again, I haven't seen a snap count yet, but I, I thought we saw a lot more of our guy 99, Hank Mondu, and then I thought we saw a lot more of Chris Warmly, Isaiah Bugs, Carlos Davis, and those types of guys out there for the Steelers rather than Tuit and Alualu. And then a lot of Ola Adani on the other side, edge rushing with Alex Highsmith. And, and that defensive unit got to Baker Mayfield four times, put some pressure on him. This defense did not create a turnover today, but I wouldn't be surprised if this defense creates a couple of turnovers next week because I thought, and, and we don't know about Joe Hayden and what his status is, but this defense was pretty good even getting into the backfield and getting some TFLs. Heck, my guy Jay Elliott had two TFLs today for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that, that is a really good sign, I think, going into next week. And again, we're going to touch on this when we get into our, our little bit of a look ahead before our full Steelers preview episode comes out later in the week in advance of, of Sunday Night Football in this wild card game between the Steelers and Browns. But this defense was legit today, even without the big studs. And you're going to get T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward back in there. And if Robert Spillane is able to come back, and I know we dog Robert Spillane a little bit on this podcast. We did it on our preview episode. If you get Robert Spillane back, I think that helps in the run game support a little bit more. And Spillane can help plug some gaps in the line when he does blitz. And I think you'll see a lot more of Mike Hilton blitzing as well for the Pittsburgh Steelers next week. But this defense got to Baker Mayfield and put pressure on without Cam Hayward and T.J. Watt. And I know that T.J. Watt doesn't play defensive tackle, but Aaron Donald I don't think had a, didn't, did not have a sack today for the, the Los Angeles Rams. So I would expect T.J. Watt to be defensive player of the year, and he doesn't get the crack at the Steelers' uh, record in single season, but I think he'll have plenty of chances at that going forward, and he'll have a chance to continue what has been a really good season on Sunday in the wild card game. With that said, our takeaways are complete. So let's take our quick break. When we return, we'll name our players of the game for this contest, the 24-22 loss to the Cleveland Browns. You also get some more sound from Coach Tomlin as well as Alex Highsmith before we return for players of the game and a quick preview of the wild card round game scheduled for Sunday Night Football next week. That's all next on the Come On Network podcast. The Come On Network podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, be that Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Anchor, or another. Listen to past episodes anytime you want, and don't forget to download episodes so they're available at your fingertips. We'd also appreciate a subscribe, rating, or review. You can find much more from the Come On Network on Twitter and Instagram at Come On Network. That's C-O-M-O-N-N-E-T-W-O-R-K, Come On Network. And you can find us on the web at comeon.network for blog posts, podcast episodes, columns, hot takes, and more, including merch coming soon. And of course, as always, a thanks to Anchor, the best way to make a podcast. 
And now more of the Come On Network podcast. You know, we, we were playing and playing to win, man. Pressure is ever present. You're either feeling it or applying it. It was our goal today to apply it. And so that was to be aggressive, particularly with the downfield throws. I thought Mason's performance was gritty. I don't know that we're looking for takeaways. We, we came, we fought, uh, we came up short. Um, we, we accept responsibility for that. We acknowledge kind of how we came up short. We knew we had to take care of the ball. We knew if we didn't take care of the ball, we needed to support our offensive unit. And when you really look at it, that sequence is probably the most significant in terms of determining the outcome of the game. I mean, you know, when I, when I do uh, get pressure, you know, there's giving confidence, you know, to uh, continue rushing. So, you know, that's just the mindset I'm going to have going to the playoffs, you know, just to be relentless in my pass rushing, you know, just be firm and strong and stopping the running. So I'm just ready to do whatever it takes to help my team, uh, to help my team win. Um, you know, I think, you know, just um, us fighting and clawing that game, you know, just show the resiliency of this team. You know, we're, we're, we're a fighting team, you know, we're just going to fight to the end of every game. And so um, that's what I'm excited about, you know, going to the playoffs, you know, that we have a team, you know, that's going to fight. And so I'm ready to see that. And so um, it's just going to be awesome you know, to, to be able to um, see this team work and just, you know, um, be able to be a part of that. You know, it's just such a blessing. So we're ready for the challenge ahead. I feel like we'll have a good game plan going into, you know, especially since, you know, since we first played them. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, we're going to have a great week of practice. You know, we're going to be prepared. Um, you know, we're going to be ready. So, well, we're excited for the challenge. You know, we're going to be ready to go to battle um, come whenever we play. Alex Highsmith, Coach Tomlin, sound from post-game 24-22. The Pittsburgh Steelers fall to the Cleveland Browns in Week 17 of the NFL football season. Let's jump into players of the game for this contest before we take a little bit of a dive towards Sunday's wild card round game between these two teams. Well, it's the guy you just heard of. We have been singing his praises all episode. Alex Highsmith, a great game for this guy today. Nine tackles, six solo, but more importantly, a sack and a tackle for loss. My player of the game is Nick Chubb. But I'd like to take this time to address something I just read on my Twitter feed. I'm going to keep the account anonymous. Here's what it said. Mason Rudolph looked phenomenal. If Mason Rudolph was phenomenal today, Aaron Rodgers is a damn Martian. He was 22 of 39. He had over 300 yards. He looked good. Um, some would say he looked very good. I would agree. But he, he was not phenomenal. I don't uh, – that, that wasn't a phenomenal performance. I don't really know what else – to say about that. He was good. Uh, he was better than we expected him to be, but uh, maybe somebody needs to... Yeah, when you use that word phenomenal, you think of performances like Justin Fields had against Clemson in the college football playoff semifinal. At least that's how I would interpret it. I don't know like about Donnie you. Like Donnie did against Hempfield. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yep. What was your best high school game, Don? Uh, probably the scrimmage whenever I tore four ligaments in my left knee. Nothing funny about that. I've never laughed about that once in my life. Okay. Detox. We're good. Player of the game is Alex Highsmith. It's not particularly close for me. I mean, he looked really good. And then once we get into our way too early preview, uh, I'll talk about that a little bit more. But, um, yeah, Highsmith did really, really well today as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, it made me feel a little bit better about that position moving forward post, you know, the Bud Dupree era. 
on the bright side, that same Twitter account Joe is talking about definitely got the Cleveland Browns record correct uh, on its way uh, into that tweet, but uh, and definitely did not say that the Steelers are going to destroy Cleveland next week Wait, with an expletive in there uh, as well. But uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. But anyways, uh, let's talk about Alex Highsmith a little bit more. And he's my player of the game. And I think I could have pretty easily gone over to Joe's side and said Nick Chubb because he's over 100 yards. And I think Donnie said 14 carries. And I'm, I'm not going to bother to double check. But uh, Nick Chubb had a really good day. The 47-yard touchdown was obviously huge and, and to help ice the game as well. He had a couple of decent carries. Uh, but I think not, not just because it's a Pittsburgh-based podcast. I think Alex Highsmith is the player of the game for me, and I put it in our post-game commentary. I probably would have given an honorable mention nod to Mason Rudolph. I thought he played really well. Uh, but Alex Highsmith looked really good against Jedrick Wills today, and that's the first time I remember, uh, at least since the Bud Dupree injury, watching Alex Highsmith and saying, you know what, he's having a pretty damn good day uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And in the sack, the TFL, the QB hit nine tackles to lead the team, uh, was in coverage a little bit and making tackles past the line of scrimmage downfield in the run game and in the pass game. Really good day for Alex Highsmith. He's my player of the game. Uh, we don't have a ton of time here, but let's take a quick look at this, this game coming up on Sunday. If you have another note, Anything else on wildcard weekend, guys, feel free to drop it in. But this game will be played on Sunday Night Football on Sunday, obviously, uh, on NBC. I think it's Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels that will be calling the game on NBC. But uh, this one's the primetime one on Sunday night. The Steelers and the Browns, the three versus the six uh, in the first round of the AFC playoffs. I'll just say this. I like the matchup. Only Indianapolis or Miami, who got eliminated uh, due to a loss and Indianapolis win would have been better suited. But I think that's a pretty standard issue across the board because those two teams don't have the weapons that the other AFC playoff teams have. I know we'll do the real preview later in the week, but I like the Steelers as of now over this Cleveland Browns team. Yeah, I already gave us some of my thoughts when I talked about my takeaway, but I want to see if Chase Claypool is here to be a major factor in this offense to stay or the past two games, or should I say one half of a game, and then this game today against the Browns um, was just a flip on the radar, and the playoffs will see a return to what we saw in late November and most of December, which was Claypool just not being there, not being existent because – of the rookie wall that Claypool, Claypool never hit, but they were afraid he might hit. We don't live on our fears, quote-unquote. Um, and therefore, Mike Tomlin and Fandy Wigner, uh did not use him as much as they should, and the offense, as a result, just wasn't very good. Um, Claypool is a big part of this offense. If Nick Chubb was my player of the game, Claypool might have been. I thought he was a big reason why Mason Rudolph had the success that he had today. But real quick, Claypool needs to be more involved. And also, Fandy Wigner should probably just get out of the way. We saw what happened in the first half of the Colts game, the, bat, the last real game, I'll call it, the Steelers played when all the starters were playing, all the available starters were playing anyway. The first half, we know the Colts were calling out plays correctly. Their defense was calling out the Steelers' offensive plays correctly. And then in the second half, it was a lot of no huddle, a lot of uh, Wigner backing off, and a lot more points for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm hoping that that shift in the second half of the Indianapolis game that 
when all is said and done, we don't know, might be looked at as a turning point for this team. I'm hoping that wasn't a fluke and that the Steelers resorted to that, not out of desperation, but because of common sense and because that's the right way to call an offense. I'm hoping that we see that and not the crap, not more of the crap that we've been seeing basically every week since Thanksgiving, including the first half of this Colts game. So in short, open it up. And if Andy Wigner needs to back off, let's have him back off. One of the things I noticed really quickly, and I don't know if you guys noticed it too today. Um, I th- think Matt Canada was on the sidelines for the first time all year. I don't know if that had to do with the fact that Rudolph was starting, but I think that's something worth noting. Three storylines I have for next week. I'm terrified if I'm Baker Mayfield, number one, because Alex Highsmith kicked ass today and TJ Watt comes back next week as the primary pass rush. They have to make some adjustments when it comes to pass blocking. Number two, will these offensive changes stay when Ben comes back? We saw a lot more of Mason Rudolph going under center, and he wasn't slinging the ball out left and right quickly like Ben did. Is that going to stay, or were those just necessary changes to a Mason Rudolph-led offense. And number three, how much did a week off help your 38-year-old Ben Roethlisberger starting quarterback? You hope a lot if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I hope it did too. And a lot of people talked about, um, you know, Ben needs a week off. Ben looks tired. Well, he got one. How much is it going to help him uh, this week against the Browns? Again, in the wild card round. Yeah, I think Donnie made the point that I wanted to make, and this is a very, very early preview. We've still got our full preview coming out later in the week, but this was the best matchup for the Steelers. They had to avoid avoid Baltimore at all costs if they could. They did that. Baltimore is going to go to Tennessee instead after Tennessee's thriller of a victory against the Houston Texans, and, and that's big for the Steelers because they could avoid Baltimore all the way until potentially an AFC championship game which is good because Baltimore's playing really good football right now. And I know a lot of people don't want to give them the credit for that, but they are playing really good football right now. Uh, As for the Cleveland Browns next week, I think we've already kind of hit on a lot of it. The defense is going to get some big guns back. Hopefully Joe Hayden, I think he's under a positive test though, uh, according to reports, they probably will be without the services of Joe Hayden, which sucks for him because obviously all the work that he's put into getting to the postseason, he's not going to play. Uh, in this contest for the Steelers if he did have a COVID positive test against his old team. But uh, this Browns team doesn't really scare me after today. And I'm not saying that I'm uberly confident in the Steelers. I'm nowhere near where I was uh, in the Jacksonville game years ago in terms of confidence, which led to a bigger letdown after that loss. But uh, I'm pretty confident going in, at least as of right now, going into this wild card game against the Browns because of what the Steelers are going to bring back and because of how underwhelming to a degree the Cleveland Browns look today, even with their full complement on offense. But again, we'll have our preview for you later in the week and make sure you look out for that. Hit that subscribe button so you get notified when it does come out. But that is it for episode 49 of the Come On Network podcast and this week's Steelers reaction episode. A reminder, you can find us on any device that gets internet or wherever you get into your podcast, be that Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google, or another. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Network at C-O-M-O-N-N-E-T-W-O-R-K on Twitter and IG and on the web at comeon.network. There you can find blog stories like our Steelers post-game commentary features, columns, hot takes, the podcast episodes. You can learn more about our team and shop our merch collection that is at comeon.network backslash store. Until next time, stay safe, happy new year, go Steelers, and come on. <laughs>